Welcome to Policy Vibe, a new podcast hosted by the Triangle Community Coalition that will help our members familiarize themselves with our local elected and community leaders while asking the tough questions regarding land use policy. Each monthly show will feature a guest where your host, Jacob Rogers, and Christina Ellis will interview and have conversations about issues important to our industry and membership. Hello and welcome to Policy Vibe, where we discuss leadership and land use policy here in North Carolina's Triangle region. My name is Jacob Rogers. I'm the CEO of the Triangle Community Coalition. I'm excited today about this episode. And Christina, how are you doing? Good, good. I'm Christina Ellis. I do events with TCC right now, although we don't have any events going on. So here we are with this first podcast. I am. Yes, I'm very excited. We got a high caliber guest here today just to say the least. But, you know, before we get into that, Christine, this is like the first time I've seen you in a while. You had your second baby in March, which seems like a month ago, but it's not. I know. Five months already. I think they're going to do studies, though, on all these babies that were born during COVID and be like, none of you like anybody but your parents. (laughs) Like, my son just cries when he sees another stranger, kind of like, I don't know you. (laughs) Don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, Wow. You know, and I was thinking coming in here, five months, that doesn't seem like, you know, there's part of me that says this, you know, it's August. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this year isn't going by fast enough. And then there's times it's hard to believe that we're in August, Um, but it's good to see you. Yeah, you too. How are the puppies? Oh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> but they're doing well, though. And I've, I've fostered 12 so far this year, so, but it's been fun. How many do you have right now? I only have two. Okay. Two puppies. But good. Well, let's introduce today's guest. Uh, let's, let's just bring him on in the room here. Bring him on in. <laughs> Woohoo! Today's guest is Jacques Gilbert. He's the mayor of Apex. Very distinguished career. I am interested to get into this, but Jacques, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I really appreciate you guys having me here today. Hey, you say a high caliber. Wow. I hope I live up to it. Oh, you do. <laughs> you know, doing some research, you know, before this, me and Christina and I were uh, uh, sharing some articles and, and kind of talking behind the scenes. You know, what did you find out about this? Christine, what, I mean, what, what were you thinking when, when you were researching Jacques? Like, what was I thinking before I read anything? Yeah. I mean, did you know anything about him before? And, and then once you started reading some stuff about him, what did you think? Yeah. Well, I didn't know no offense, anything about you before, since I'm not from Apex, so I kind of had a blank slate to work with. But I think the thing that really impressed me the most when I was just going through the articles is just the way that you talk about how important communication is between you and the people that you serve. That was something that really impressed me, and that was threaded through everything that I read, which was, it's not something that I associate, honestly, with a lot of local politicians. It's like that open communication that seems very humble and honest. So anyway, that was my first impression. But do we need to go on? <laughs> I can so sing much. your praises over it. here. <laughs> well, I learned I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know. I didn't know you've written three books. That's right. You're yeah. from Apex. From Apex. Born and raised there. Graduated from Apex High School in 1987. A long time ago. Mm. That I wasn't love Apex. that long ago. <laughs> you were in Apex Police Department for 29 years. You retired as a captain, right? That's correct. I mean, what made you get into this? It was, uh, I answer this question all the time. You know, I retired, as you, as you mentioned, April of 2019. And uh, at that time, I just knew that chapter of my life was over. It was done. It, it doesn't take away all the great memories and all the, the reason the why I got involved in, in policing. But I just knew it was time for me to move to another uh, assignment. 
So when I retired, I was just trying to figure out what was that next assignment. And in January of 2019, it hit me. I said, I'm, I'm retired, but I'm not tired yet. I just want to continue on and serve the people of Apex. And I just simply looked at getting into a place to where I can make more of an impact and have influence with people. Uh, as a captain with the Apex Police Department, I was limited in that in some in some ways. So I wanted to just continue on and, and be in a position to where I could do it more. So here we are. Um, there were reservations there, of course, because I have no political background. But um, I did understand one thing. Um, I had a lot of relationships with people, and I felt like that would kind of give me a head start. Oh, that's for sure. I, I remember when you announced, or, or or maybe just before, there was lots of talk. Oh, Jock Gilbert, and I said, you know, I'd, I'd heard your name. I think I'd seen you at some meetings at, at town hall. Um, you know, and I want to get into this in a in a bit about the political part of it. But uh, everybody loved you, <laughs> and uh, that, that's you don't you don't hear that often. You know, especially from somebody who's running for office. You know, Christina had a, and you know, we were coming up with some questions on what to ask you and. Who was your biggest influence growing up? How did they shape who you've become? I would say my biggest influence is my dad. Uh, my dad started, um, he had to provide for seven people in the house. And we were in wow. a, a house, it was, uh, we called the Projects of Apex. And there were only three bedrooms. But my dad went to work every day to provide for the family. He started out as a, um, a water and sewer technician and started out, you know, right there in the hole in the sewer. He would come home and it would, you know, he said, I was knee deep in sewer today. <laughs> and, but he, he continued to get up every day and provide for the family. And we had a lot of challenges, but he was okay with that as long as my mom could stay home with us in the environment that we were in. And we had someone that would take care of us there because there were a lot of challenges in my, in my community. So my dad just gave me that example of uh, continue to just work hard, be diligent, be consistent. And um, success will come. He ended up uh, moving up in the town of Cary, and uh, he became the operations manager for the entire water and sewer department for the town of Cary. 37 years with the town, and so I just kind of looked at him and like, this is this is my hero. And he still is my hero. Well, and so uh, you got into you know public service as well at a young age. I mean, you know, why law enforcement? Yes, yeah, so. I would say I started out, my, I, I thought I was going to go to path with my dad, so I started out as a water meter reader for the town of Cary, right out of high school. So he, he's like, Jacques, I can get you this job. You know, I can get you making 14500 a year. I was like, I can make fourteen five. <laughs> <laughs> so I got excited about that. But, you know, um, in two years, I just, again, came to a point to where this is not my calling. It just it doesn't feel right. It's, I'm not fulfilled doing this. And, uh, Dad, I appreciate it, but. I want to do something different. Uh, a friend of mine was uh, working for the Raleigh Police Department at the time, and he he was uh, talking about all the great things he was doing in, his, in the community, helping people in the community in Raleigh as a Raleigh police officer. And he said, why not you? Why wouldn't you consider this? And I said, no, sir, I can't do it. You know, the community I'm from, they will not embrace that. It's just, it's not what we do. And he said, you got to be kidding me. I said, no, I can't do it. He says, Jacques, you got to consider it. So I did more research and I said why not and once I made a decision I came home and told my parents I told people in the community and you would have thought that I told them that I committed a crime <laughs> it was bad but I decided to do it anyway and what I wanted to do is go back into the community 
um, that, in my opinion, was plagued with a lot of bad things. I want to go back and clean it up. And that was my point in becoming a police officer and not understanding it, no background, but I knew it was my calling. And I think it was pretty successful. A lot of great things happened. I'm, it helped shape me into the person I am today. So, What did your father say about it? He was like, go for it. Really? Yeah, he was, he was okay with it. Uh, it was everybody else that were like, nah, I don't know, what are you doing? You know. So my first 10 years as a police officer was probably my most challenging because the community that I grew up in were against me. Mm. But now they're okay. I'm wondering with kind of some of that opposition, was there a moment or a story that you particularly remember that kind of confirmed for you, like, this is what I should be doing. Things are starting to change here and people are starting to accept that this is my role. Yeah, it, it came later. Like I said, it, it took about 10 years for that to really get in. And I would say when I decided I wanted to shift from a patrol officer and become a school resource officer. So I was assigned as the first school resource officer for Apex High School or for the Apex Police Department. And it was then when I started having these young people coming in my office and just sharing their stories, their life stories, their challenges. And I was like, what are you telling me? I mean, I can't, I can't fix it. But all they wanted me to do was listen. And that's all I did. And then more students would come in this small office and just share their share their stories with me. And it's kind of interesting, those students that came in and, and shared those stories with me, and I would just try to help them in the best way I knew how, they ended up voting for me to become mayor. So it all worked out. But anyways, I knew back then that was my calling, and just sitting down, having a conversation, and just letting people talk things out, and then try to put people together to solve problems. And that's what I did at, at the school resource level. So it sounds like you learned the traits that are serving you and mayor kind of early on in your career. I think so. Um, it's definitely showing to be that way. From the youth, no less. That's right. So, you know, one of the, the points and in, in, in our goals here at Policy Vibe is kind of is to talk about leadership. You know, and, and what does what does leadership mean to you? I believe that leadership is all about establishing relationships. And I've heard this mentioned to me several times has always just stood out. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I've always just just held that in, in everything that I did. And it helped me in the police department. And um, I believe in problem solving and you got to bring people to the table. We all have different perspectives and that's a great thing. We don't need everybody to be alike. And so I've always been like, let's go team. That's my style, let's go team. And I believe that's what it takes. It takes a, a, an individual that can bring many different people with different perspectives together and move in the same direction. And that's, that's what I strive to do. Absolutely, that's, that's interesting. You know, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with Jacques, I, this guy has written three books, served 29 years police department, elected mayor in 2019. You really do have, and the awards on a state base and even national, you went to the White House, uh, President Obama That's right. uh, gave you an award. Governor Cooper, That's right. uh, Order of the Longleaf Pine. I mean, that's uh, not easy to get something <laughs> like, like this. It's, it's fascinating. So, you know, and then you're also the founder of the Blue Lights College. Can you give us a, a rundown on what, what that is? Yes, Blue Lights College. And it goes back to what we, we uh, shared before about the community needs to understand why police officers exist. And they're there really to serve the people. It's not about having power and authority. It's really to, to meet people on their worst day and to say, how can I help you solve this problem? And I believe that it, that's what it is. People are looking for hope at that time. And there needs to be a person who is skilled, who's called to be there to provide that hope to them. 
So in uh, 2016, we were dealing with this same civil unrest. And, uh, it, and it appears to be in cycles. There's, there's really no solutions. It's just it's the same thing over and over. Um, of course, we're seeing that today. So my approach back in 16 was, okay, let's get more people in uniform who are from communities that who are demanding this change because I believe you can be a part of the solution. So I said, let's form this, this education environment and let's equip young men and women to become part of the solution. And with that, you know, I was looking for a way to attract more men and women from communities. And, you know, we were doing a traditional approach by going to these community fairs, high schools, and standing there in uniform, and they go, no, no thanks, not interested. So we had to find a unique way to do it. And um, it was when I saw Cam Newton score a touchdown on a Sunday afternoon, the Carolina Panthers, the best team in the NFL. He scored a touchdown, and the camera panned the crowd. And what I noticed is diversity and everybody was happy about this one player scoring a touchdown. And I said, there it is. Athletics is a universal language of bringing people together. Everybody connect with athletics in some way. Whether you like State of North Carolina, don't care, you know, UNC State, it's still about the sport. So I said, why don't we have a college basketball team and have this college, because I was already helping young men and women with the curriculum, getting them ready for BLET, which is the police academy. Let's put it all together and let's form this community college. So we put it all together, curriculum, went to the state, got it approved. And the college basketball team actually attracted more people to say, I want to play basketball. But they had to still complete the academics just like any other school. And it just started to grow. We started having men and women coming from all over the nation, Ohio, Texas, South Carolina, Puerto Rico, uh, and I was like, what's going on here? I think we have something. And it continues to yield fruit. Um, and we, you're still involved in this. Yeah, still the president of it, and it's growing every year. In fact, we have our fall session that's going to kick off. I think it's going to be August the 27th is when our orientation is. So oh, that's, that's what really, it is. Yeah. It's really cool, too. Yeah. So let's get into the more of the politics and policy, if you will. You know, you had – you, really, last year you had a choice of running for council, running for mayor if you wanted. I mean, obviously, it's, or evidently, it sounds like uh, council was, was, was not on that list. You know, just went straight to mayor. But, uh, but you had no political experience or background. Do you think that that helped you? You know, in today's, in today's political atmosphere or environment, rather, it seems like there are more politicians getting um, elected who, who don't have that experience of uh, holding an elected office before and or and they're more of a community leader as you were. I mean, do you think that that helped you? I do believe so. And, you know, people ask me, in fact, I had many people say, hey, I can help you become a planning board member or a council person. And I said, no, I want to be the mayor. And they said, you don't have any background. I said, I know that's why I want to be the mayor, because I don't have anything that I have to please anyone for. You know, I don't. I haven't been involved in the process. I don't know the process like it's fixed and it has to be that way. I just wanted to be a person who can come in understanding the dynamics of council uh, because I've had to present the council as a captain with the police department. But bringing that in staff perspective to it, you know, serving as a staff for Town of Apex, but also just understanding that as mayor, I, I have an opportunity to bring people together. And the leadership of the town is the town council just looking at history and looking at how disagreements happen and how it can get really intense. I just said, we have to figure out a better way. And 
I wanted to, I always want to remain nonpartisan. And um, and I felt like the role of a police officer is that you, you don't get to decide who you go serve. You know, you, you get a call and you don't punch in your computer where they is there a Democrat or Republican. I can't go to that call. You know, <laughs> you just yeah. respond to the call. That's right. And that's what I want us to do um, as our town government respond to the call and help the people. I got to share a story. You know, uh, this happened not too long ago. And, and Jock is looking at me like, uh, you don't, don't share too much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go for it. What is it? <laughs> Where, you know, there's um, the current Apex Council is the dynamics are completely different than they were uh, two years ago, four years ago, ten years ago. Uh, it's just brand new to, to Apex. That's right. And when you got there, you know, there, there was this growth divide, I feel like, and I think there still is to some degree, but one of the things that you did is you called me and you said, um, and it was on a, th- I remember this, on a Thursday evening, you know, I think it was six or seven in the evening, and I, and I looked at my phone, I said, what is he calling me? You know, must, this must not be, a, you know, he must have pocket dialed me. <laughs> and you talked to him and you said, hey, you know, we need to get a group together. We need to get a small group. I'm going to bring a few council members, bring a couple of your members, and let's, let's have a, a frank discussion. And we did that. I thought it was extremely productive. And and about five years, six, six, seven years ago, I was working for a company where the office politics were terrible. I mean, half of them got along with that half and the other half didn't. And th- those two groups uh, did not talk. Uh, very siloed. And I remember, and they would not communicate, would not communicate. So I remember sitting them down in a room very similar like this and for an hour, we all yelled at each other. <laughs> it was probably dysfunctional to some degree, but it, what came out of that was very good relationships. In fact, I was talking to one of those people on, on that uh, in one of those other groups earlier this week, and she and I still uh, communicate, and it's, uh, and it's fascinating. And whereas earlier this year when we met at, at Town Hall uh, in a very open environment, and that's what you wanted, it sounded like. You know, it was very productive. We got a lot of thoughts out there, and there were a lot of raw emotion, if you will, from the town side and, and, and ours. I appreciate you doing that. What, what came of that is, is, is something that you mentioned, is like you'll find more common ground by just having a conversation. And you convened that. I really appreciate that. What do you, I mean, and I think we, we had plans on meeting again and then meeting again, and then, uh, of course, the, the virus happened. But. That's right. Yes. And to your point, and, and it shows that you're a leader too. what you did in the past, it, it's just having a conversation can really, I think it can advance you in a way that people don't understand. They don't realize how impactful it can be. And that very moment I called you, it just, it was like, okay, I have to find a, a way. And I knew you are, I've heard a lot about you. I had heard a lot about you. I've seen you around, but I also knew your background. And I know that you are a doer, you're a go-getter. And those are the kind of people I like to run with. So I said, if we can get Jacob there, and if they know Jacob is going to be there, people are going to say, I think I should go. And that's why I wanted you to be an influencer in that way. So that meeting, I do feel like it was very productive and it raw emotion, of course, and that's okay. Uh, but and it was we, a couple of hours. <laughs> yes, it was. I didn't realize how, you know, like we've been in here two hours, but we were moving forward mm-hmm. and we, we moved forward. And, and I, I do believe that meeting allowed us to make some key decisions, I guess, a month or two later. And had we not had that meeting, it could have gone in a different way for the citizens of APEC. So I thank you for being there. I appreciate the invitation, obviously, yeah. and I'm looking forward to the next time we can we can have those discussions. I think it, r- it really uh, went forward, and I, you know, 
Apex is a is a place where the the coalition has been very involved for a long time, and and personally, I've been involved in Apex for about five years and getting more involved. Of course, I sit on the the board of directors for the chamber, but I've always been involved in in other aspects there. It's a it's a great community. Um, I love it. I'm kind of wondering, since you became mayor, what do you think one of your biggest accomplishments has been? I would say to be able to get through a pen. Well, we're not completely through it, but to uh, to be able to still be here talking to you during a pandemic and also during a what I see as a clear divide in our nation and still be able to have a conversation and smile and say everything is going to be okay. Uh, we have leaders in place. We have people in the community. They're going to, they're going to continue to get involved and, and move us forward. So I see it as a tremendous accomplishment. Um, of course, there are times along the way this journey is, uh, you know, it's extremely challenging. But to be able to still stand here and uh, be able to represent the town of Apex is an accomplishment for today. And we look for, you know, look at tomorrow as another day. Everyone on town council, with the exception of Nicole Dozier, has uh, two years or less experience in public service. Uh, and I don't think anyone has, has served on like a planning board, you know, or took that you know, usually that's the, the trajectory. You get appointed to the planning board, you serve a few years, and then you run for council and serve a few years, run for mayor if you wanted to. You know, so the the lack of experience in public service, what are the challenges and opportunities? Because if there's a challenge, there's always an opportunity with trying to lead this council. Yes. Well, again, going back to what I said before, there will always be a, a difference in experience, people, how they lived in the past, the challenges in their life, the life experience. It's all the same. Uh, you just have to, again, bring those people together and say, here is the mission, here's the vision, um, here's a 2045 plan, vision, plan. Get everybody focused on that, and that's really all I need to do. Uh, as you know, the way the dynamics and how uh, the council operates, I don't get the vote uh, unless there's a tie. But for me, it's always been about recognizing the strengths of every person there, and, and we complement each other. You know, I can I can think about, you know, the cold Dozier you mentioned, Mayor Pro Tem Dozier. That experience is, um, is, man, we have to have that. Because she, I've been able to work with her behind the scenes and she can explain to me how this works. And um, let's talk about this. And what do you think about this, Mayor Pro Tem? Well, and she'll respond in a way based on her experience. Uh, going back to people who are now getting into politics and saying, I want to be a part of local government and decision making. I really love that because they bring their... I think they represent the people better, and it's not, they don't go through the same steps as it has been in the past, and it's just one way, it's a fixed way. And those people will always ask why. And that's what we have done in our eight months here. Why are we doing it this way? Why has it been this way? Why do we have to continue to do it this way? And I think that's rich. I think that's what the citizens want. Lots of passion. That's I mean, great. Nicole has, has oh a goodness. lot of that. She's my hero. Yeah. <laughs> So you're the mayor of one of the top communities in North Carolina. I mean, 2015 Apex was best place to live That's in the right. country. That's right. You know, what makes it the best place to live, in your opinion? What makes it the best place to live? It is the people, and the, the people make the quality of life. And it goes back to, I look at it and like, okay, let's, let's look at how Apex has changed. I mean, I grew up here, and I was like, man, I see people every day now. I, I don't even know who they are. But when I was growing up here, you would see the same people every day. But I understand that we have something um, that's unique and it is really attracting folks to move here. 
And, uh, and I asked them that question, why Apex? Why would you move here? And it's simple. They all respond the same way. The quality of life for my family. And that's what Apex provides. And when you look at keeping things the same, I think that shouldn't, that shouldn't be the words. It's not keeping things the same. It's maintaining a quality of life while understanding that we will change in, in many ways. But we're going to look, we're going to strive to make sure that that change is good for all citizens. You know, and, and one of kind of talking about that growth, I guess, is, is what I want to jump into is like, you know, so it's brought some interesting politics to Apex. Um, how will Apex continue to grow? You know, what is your 20, 30 or 50 year vision? You know, because 50 years ago, it was a very small town. Yes, it was a very small town. One stoplight. The stoplight went on blink at 9 p.m. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> we don't have that today. Yeah, so my vision is a vision, and, and I want to recognize all of the town leaders, all the past mayors and, and council people who shaped the town to where it is today. Th- that's something to note. Yeah, because, absolutely. Uh, you're really standing on the shoulders of these of these folks who have served on council over the last 20 years at least. Right. Uh, all of the good decisions they've made to where Apex is the best place to live and right. and gets accolades upon accolades. So that's, that's a very good point. That's right. I take no ownership of that. I just I can just do my part and then hand a baton. And I think that's how we have to look at it. So with that vision, we just have to understand that that we are here for a season. We're here for a time. And then we do what we can do. And it's always about the people. And then we pass it on to someone else. And uh, that's how we have to keep it. One of the things um, you kind of went toward was the uh, division, the 25, 2045 vision plan that we have. And I believe if you can stay fixed on a vision and get the people to believe in that vision, understanding that it can still change in some ways. And I think it's not, it's not a, it's not a fixed, you know, document, if you will. It is something that based on what we look at today, it can change uh, depending on um, what direction we need to go in. So I think we stay focused on that vision and understand that we have to work together. I can't say that enough we will be fine and we'll continue to be the best place to live in America. What's your favorite place to eat at in Apex? Oh, that's easy. Real easy. Salem Street Pub once a week. Once a week? <laughs> once a week. <laughs> and I know, yeah, and I, I eat a burger. Yeah, I eat a burger and it's the best burger in the in America. You got you have to go. When you come to Apex, let me know. I, it's, it's my treat and a sweet tea. <laughs> well, they have. I, I've been there many a times. They have. Don't they have a burger with uh, peanut butter and jelly? Or I mean, yes. there's there something something like oh. that. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, I tried it, and it was it was really good. It's decent, uh, right? It's very good. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's called. Uh, my wife said it wouldn't sell. My wife said it wouldn't sell burger, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. Because yeah. <laughs> they're they're good owners, uh, you know. So I guess he decided to come up with this burger, and his wife said it's not going to sell, but it it's a hit. It's not a hit for me, but it's a hit for many. Yes. Well, you know, so what should Apex's top priorities be? Understanding that the triangle is going to grow. I mean, we still prioritize economic development. Uh, we still think that bringing jobs is, is something that, that this state and, and this region needs. And with that come the people. You know, I always like to say that uh, growth doesn't happen because there's a, a new subdivision going down the road. I mean, people don't move here for, for the homes. They move here for the quality of life, the jobs and such. So knowing that that's going to happen, I mean, what do, you, what do you think the top priorities should be? The top priority, the number one, is effective communication. 
So most people expect me to respond economic development, you know, land use. No, communication. If we, the town, if we're not transparent in what we're doing, the transparency is not there and we're not engaging the community members to say, no, you're part of what we're doing here. You're part of the vision. We have to hear from you. Otherwise, we're not serving in a manner that's most effective for you and your family. So that's number one priority. Um, The second thing is based on Apex alone, I believe that we have to embrace what we know as change. I always, I always tell folks that there's not one thing in life that remains the same. And I think if people can really understand that, they can accept the vision and uh, understand that we're not a small town anymore. However, we can still sustain a quality of life that's acceptable for everybody here. So that communication and uh, understanding, embracing change. And then you start breaking off to those other um, important avenues or direction we go in with economic development and we look at land use and how important that is and it's going to be okay if we approve a parcel of land over here and, and we develop it it's it's going to benefit the town it's going to benefit you and your family we have to understand how it all comes together with schools and you know the more you build school overcrowding that becomes a concern so working with wake county schools to understand how we make these decisions together all those things come into play when we look at um, the leadership and direction we're going for the town. You know, you, you mentioned, and this has kind of been the theme of today, is is effective communication, really. And I get calls from our membership almost, well, every day uh, asking, you know, what, what are your thoughts? How are things going here or there? Or, you know, what, what are your thoughts on APEX? And in our membership, you know, are the people who are in investing in these communities who who live here that are from here or a lot of them have lived here a long time. And, and so uh, I get these calls and, and, and I'll hear something from one of them and it'll get me going. And I said, well, I wanna, I'll call somebody. I'll, let me, let me, let me get on the phone and figure out where, you know, let me get to the bottom of this. Uh, Cause oftentimes they are also live off of relationships. I mean, they want to make sure they have good relationships with the town and elected officials and, and uh, everyone else. And so um, I, I guess they don't mind if I, <laughs> If I stretch my relationships <laughs> with these people, which is fine. But um, what I find is that it often breaks down to a misinformation to some degree, right? I mean, I heard this, and, and that's actually, I thought, you know, when I hear it, it's, I think, oh, well, they must have heard this. And it comes to be like the second or fourth person told them this, you know, it's, it's all, it's removed. And there's few people in this room. And if, if I whispered a, new, a word and, and Christina's ear and she did the same to you, and I bet by the time it got around to me, it's going to be two or three different words. You know? Right. It may have changed. What advice would you give to our membership of saying, you know, you are probably one of the most accessible elected officials in the Triangle by far. Every time I email you, it's like, uh, you know, what is this dude doing? You know, <laughs> is he just at home looking at it on a computer? It can't be. And then I know that you've got a packed schedule. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what, what do you think? How do we communicate? What are some ways that the industry, you know, the development industry can do better to communicate with elected officials in Apex? Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up because... Again, the theme is relationships, and I'm going to continue to push that. And as a town leader, and I chose to be involved, and then and then the community say, hey, we believe in you. I'm committed to, to the members of the community, not just the citizens, but also developers. We um, all stakeholders, right? So I have to make sure they understand my door is always open. It's always open. My phone, I'm accessible. And it's amazing how... As you mentioned, people will call me and or they send me an email. And I, I okay, email is fine. 
but I would rather talk to you on the phone. Mm-hmm. So I would call them, and they go, oh, my goodness, this is the mayor of Apex? I'm like, it's <laughs> Jacques. I wanted to be just like that. It's just Jacques. I'm calling to talk to you. How can I help you? And I guarantee people have called me and had a conversation about their story. I say, don't, don't tell me a complaint. Tell me your story. I think that's different because uh, if you tell me your story, I can understand it better. And as you talk about, sometimes there is misinformation and misunderstanding. So it's not fact and a complaint. It's just a, your story. And then we, we determined that, hey, maybe we should proceed further with a complaint, depending on what department it's in. So it's all about meeting people where they are. And I've strived to do that. And if we can get other elected leaders to understand, it's not about us. It's about the people. I will always say people first. So I want everybody listening to this podcast today, and I can only speak for 27502. That's our zip code, and I can't remember the, the new one. But anyway, Apex, North Carolina, our town council is accessible, and we're here for you, and that's how it's going to be as long as I'm mayor. And you have to pick up the phone and say, I have an issue. I have a story that I need to tell you, and can you help me? And we're going to respond to the call. Or maybe I've got a vision for this parcel of land. Yes. You know, Do you share it? You yes, share a, a similar vision, and, and, and what are your thoughts? One of the things that came from that meeting with uh, with you guys and uh, back in, I think that was January or maybe early February, mm-hmm. was the information that, that a couple of the council members had and the information we have was there was a, just a, you know, 10% of it was true on both sides. And I kept thinking, like, all, all it needed was, you know, let's hear, you know, that's a very good way of putting it, the story, you know, tell the story. Um, so that, yeah. thank you for, for saying that. I am curious. So just thinking about all the different people that you probably hear from, a lot of people have conflicting opinions. And so if you give each of them equal weight, I'm just wondering how you handle conflict when it arises or how do you determine what's the priority in the room? I want to be compassionately listening to everyone, but we have to go in this direction. Like, how do you settle that? That's a good question. Can I go to this real quick and how social media has really made it a little bit more challenging than, you know, political leaders, you know, 15 years ago, because now you have to clean that up because someone could just plant that seed on social media. So, and I would tell you probably about 80% of that, of people contacting me is through social media and they have heard, you know, received information that is most often inaccurate. It's not, it's not correct. So I invite them to my office if they would show up, you know, COVID has really impacted that, but just having that conversation. But I found that if you can just let people speak and share their story a large percentage of people will say you know what i understand if you allow if they allow you to explain why we're going at this direction they may not agree with it but they may understand it a little bit better and say well this guy he, he cares for me he cares for this community and at the end of the day that's why he's in the seat uh, so all i do is listen and explain why we're going in that direction and sometimes it doesn't work out to where people totally agree with it but there are many times the way they say, I don't agree with it, but I trust you and, um, and we're going to walk with you on this. So it sounds like to you that trust building comes with like, I don't have an agenda that I'm going to put on you. I'm just going right. to kind of open the door and let you look in and see where we're going. That's right. Whether you like it that's, or not. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm going to use that again. So, yeah, that's exactly what it is. You, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things that I think impressed me when I was reading some of your articles when you were and I can't remember, I'm sorry, if this was when you were still the police chief or after you'd become mayor, but you were talking about how important it was to you to listen to some of the younger officers who had just come into the field and have them give their opinion, kind of circling back around to what you were saying earlier. You know, these people can really 
bringing a new perspective that hasn't been entrenched. I also was reading about how your daughter, I think, runs your social media campaign. That's right. So I think I just want to say it it impressed me how much you want to hear people who might have a, a differing opinion or a younger opinion. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And that goes back to, again, my passion to work with youth and, you know, that experience is working as an SRO. I had I listened to youth and, and I tell you what, if we if we stop listening to the next generation, we have failed completely because it's, it's going to be their seat. You know, we have to set them up. We have to receive from them to be able to make decisions for the for the future. So that article um, that Fox News did, that was all about the civil unrest that we're having with the divide between community and police. And my thought was we're hearing a lot from police chiefs. We're hearing a lot from the top. But maybe they don't have all the information. So we, we need to listen to the ones that are in, you know, first, second year in because they can tell you what culture they went into. And maybe the culture needs to be reset. And I truly believe that. I'll, I'll boldly say the culture needs to be reset. Doesn't mean we get just abolish police. I'm not saying that or defund police. We just have to look at a different way to do policing. And I believe it's compassionate policing. It's about the people. And uh, the system that we have in place now obviously needs to be reformed in, in, in many ways. But it doesn't mean that we have bad people throughout the organization. Going to my daughter, yes, she will tell you, and Jacob knows Calabria, uh, she would tell you that she is a real mayor of Apex. I'm just a face. So, wow. <laughs> the first daughter. <laughs> the first daughter, right. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give her, I was like, Calabria, I, I want to do this, and here's what I want to convey the message. And she'll say, okay. And she'll contact me back in a few minutes and say, all right, here's here's how we should get it out. And so that is 100% my daughter. She, 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 um, she's good. She, she's good with communication. Well, what you just said was, is leadership. You know, when I was in corporate America, like I, I always listened to our frontline staff, the folks who were were doing the work, while the folks here up at the corporate office were 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 supposed to be leading, you know, we were just they were just shouting orders down. And you know, and, and one of the things that I, I rose through the reins pretty fast because I knew the issues that needed to be taken care of, and I always thought that we needed to provide them with as much with the resources to do their jobs and to me that's leadership and it sounds very similar to what you're doing yes i I truly believe it and people want to be involved i always say that with our staff like let's find a way to show appreciation and if again if people know you care they will be more apt to be involved that's how you get buy-in that's right and you can make those decisions that even uh that they'll not support but they'll support you either way right and I was able, you know, making change in a corporate level is very much kind of like it is in a town, and to some degree, I'm, I'm you know, in a 2,000 employee organization, I was, I had buy-in from people to where you're able to um, make those changes, and they're like, you know, if Jacob made, you know, if that was a decision he made, then I support it, even though I don't like it. And yeah. I think that kind of answers, I think it's that the leadership with that. You, you have great leadership, and I'm glad to see you at the helm of Apex. Thank you. So one last, you know, one one of our last questions, you know, what, what advice would you give folks wanting to be an elected office? Maybe they are in a, in a term now, maybe they're not. But, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give people that are, are thinking about it? Or maybe it's not on their radar and, you know, it is to some degree. What do you think? If you're called to do it, go for it. And everything will be provided for you to be able to do it effectively. You have to be patient with people. It has to be, it always is 100% about the people. It's not about you. And people 
are, you know, they get frustrated about certain things and you have to let them vent. You have to let them talk. You have to let them share their story. And once you lose, if you lose sight of that, it's time to hand the baton to someone else. You know, going back to my daughter, uh, she's the mastermind of social media. I've had people to say things about maybe a decision that we made as a counselor or myself or, and I know it's not right. And she, and you know, we're, as humans can sometimes be impulsive and, you know, we react and we should really think and respond. So I'm like ready to respond. Nope. My daughter's like, nope, you're not, resp- nope, it's not time. Let it go. And uh, so you have to learn that and, uh, and, and not take anything personal. It's, it's not about you. And um, so in the eight months I've been at the helm, I've had to learn that in many ways with everything going on. So, um, but that's what my advice would be to, to everyone. Well, it's kind of tough to do that today because you can do it at your fingertips. You know, it used mm. to be you'd write a letter. You know what? I'm going to send this thing off tomorrow, and I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to get it done. And, and the next morning, you you know, I'm not, I'm not going to write. I'm going you, you tear the letter up. And uh, there was an interview with President Trump, I think a few weeks ago, that where he you know was asked the question of, "You ever regret sending any of these tweets?" And he says, "Oh yeah, all the time." <laughs> I never heard that. I didn't either. <laughs> and and it was it was fascinating because you know it seems so impulsive sometimes, right. but it's at our fingertips and we're feeling this way right now. And we need to you know you have a better uh, approach. It all right. Let me think and then respond instead of react. That's right. It also makes me think of parenting my two year old. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's interesting that you say that. My my daughter uh, she did mention that early on. She says, Dad, look at it like this. She said, I'm not saying that they are children. But when you have someone that is screaming out on social media, what do children do when they're hungry? Yeah. They need, you know, just, just let, them, let them vent. I That's think that also, you know, shows just how you have to bring your whole person into your field. Like you don't get to silo certain selves, certain parts of yourself off. Right. You know, the person that you are at home is going to be the person who's sitting in the mayor's seat. Yes. Thank so. you. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife might not say the same, but um, no, <laughs> she's not here right now. She's not here. Right, right. She, she can't disagree. <laughs> Well, Mayor, I really appreciate you joining us today on on, on Policy Vibe. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your leadership. And I I truly appreciate your partnership with our members and our organization. Well, it's been a pleasure to be here and a great conversation. And uh, y'all are doing amazing things. Keep up the great work and uh, let me know what we can do for you. This is Apex. Thank you. All right. Until next time, we'll see you on Policy Vibe.